We are uh, doing a little two-part series here on the messiness of church. Uh, speaking about church, because sometimes church can be messy. And last week we uh, we talked about some of the mess in the church, especially church history, about the wars and Christians killing each other, and I mean hundreds of thousands of Christians have killed each other and other people through you know the Crusades and the Reformation and the Inquisition and. We talked about all the craziness of church history and some of the craziness of some of the churches like Westboro Baptist Church down in the States today that holds up crazy signs. And we just talked about the ugliness of some of church history. And we talked about how we navigate that. And we talked a lot about how uh, just because someone calls themselves a Christian doesn't make them a Christian. Just because someone calls themselves a church doesn't make them a church. Uh, just because you do something in the name of Jesus does not mean at all that it's actually what Jesus wants. Any more than I can stand here and say, you know, I'm a banana. Uh, doesn't make me a banana. Or I'm doing stuff in the name of bananas. Doesn't mean I actually am. That Jesus actually taught us to, to love our enemies. And to uh, pray for those who uh, persecute you. And to be people who don't take revenge. And, to, and just love on people. And all that stuff in church history which doesn't line up with the teaching of Jesus is, is not in line with what Jesus wants. And so that's what we talked about last week. Sadly, uh, as we also talked about, I, I mean initially Jesus said this, that we're to love one another. He said by that everybody's going to know uh, you're my disciples, my church. He also talked about how our unity, that that will help the world know that God is real. That God initially set up the church to be the group of people who would reveal the goodness of God to mankind. But, but sadly, the church in some ways has become the enemy of that. The very thing that God wanted the church to be, that was the, the, to, to draw people to Jesus, in, in many ways has become the thing that keeps people away at times. Uh, church can be messy at times. And so today we want to talk a little bit more about some maybe current mess. We talked about church history. And uh, there are a lot of people, uh, generally there's a lot of talk today about leaving the church. A lot of talk about leaving the institutional church or I don't want to go to church or I've been hurt by church. And of course, there's a whole host of reasons and it just reveals that sometimes church is messy. Uh, some people say, oh, I don't have time, I'm too busy to go to church. That's uh, not relevant to my life. I don't feel loved or cared for. A church is boring. Uh, there's too much conflict or politics. Uh, the church is full of hypocrites. Uh, I don't feel I could be open with people or I felt judged. Uh, I didn't seem to connect with God at church. Or I didn't agree with being, what was being taught at church. Uh, some people say my church and my friends at work, gym, ski hill, whatever it might be. Or the big reason often is this. Well, that person or leader did or said fill in the blank, or that person or leader did not do or say, fill in the blank, and we could go on and on. It just shows that the church can be frustrated. And people leave for crazy ideas. I mean, some people leave because the music's too loud. Others leave because it's not quiet enough. Some it's too, too much singing, not enough singing, too much prayer, not enough prayer, too, too much Bible, not enough Bible, too much Jesus, not enough Jesus. I mean, they go on and on. I mean, I mean sometimes church is messy. And I actually had uh, one Sunday, it was after a worship service, and I'm, and I'm totally being serious here. Someone come up to me and say, that was the best worship ever. I mean, I just felt so close to God. That was amazing. And then, no kidding, three minutes later, someone came up to me and said, 
You know, I think Satan was really at work in the worship today. And, you know, I mean, we just get this diverse group of people and all these ideas and, and come together. I mean, we, we have people not even make it through our service before they leave. I mean, we had a gal uh, years or so ago come, and, and she stayed for part of the service anyways. But I got a three-page letter uh, the next week talking about all the horrible things about our church that I didn't, no one said hi, and the offering plate didn't get to me, and, and the drummer was way too loud, and it was actually me on the drums, and I, <laughs> and she didn't even get to the sermon before she left, I mean, I mean, and we all know, if you've been a part of this, I mean, sometimes it's messy, I mean, sometimes I, I tick you off a little bit, or you tick me off, or we just rub each other the wrong way, or someone gives a funny facial expression, you're like, I don't know if that person really likes me, and we just got all these people, and church just can be, can be messy. Uh, how do we navigate that? This is kind of what we're talking about today. Uh, maybe you've been a part of a church that's really messy. Uh, there have been people who have been tremendously hurt by churches that they're all about tradition rather than loving Jesus and people that are all about, you know, politics or power or the pastor all about, you know, creating his empire. And, and, and there are churches that are really off base that have really, really hurt people. And, and that's not what we want. I mean, we're working hard here to be a church that is loving Jesus and people and seeing lives transformed. But because I'm here and you're here, church can be messy. Okay. So uh, how do we navigate that? And, um, and by the way, this is not just something that, that people who attend church struggle with. Uh, leaders and pastors struggle with the messiness of church. Um, uh, one PhD said this, according to the Schaefer Institute, the ministry is perhaps the single most stressful and frustrating working profession, more than medical, legal, or political careers. Most statistics say that 60 to 80% of those who enter the ministry will not still be in it 10 years later, and only a fraction will stay in it as a lifetime career. One study found that over 70% of pastors feel so stressed and burnt out that they regularly consider leaving the ministry. If uh, you talk to some insurance writers, that the people in the ministry are up there with uh, underwater, deep-sea divers and, uh, and crab fishermen. Uh, and, and like, this, this is not the way it should be. <laughs> I mean, this is not what Jesus wants from his church. I mean, uh, Jesus doesn't want the church to be, like, uh, hurting people and, and leaders and people who attend. Again, it can be messy. So how, how do we work through some of this? Uh, first of all, we've got to figure out what the real issue. Uh, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, okay? Because, I mean, if you read blogs or you read people who have been hurt by the church— I mean, they always talk about the church, and, you know, the church is awful, and I would never go to the church, and I don't want to be a part of the church, and it's like all the church. Well, well, what is actually the issue? What do you mean by the church? Uh, do you mean, like, the Roman Catholic church? Uh, do you mean the Protestant church? Do you mean the Baptist church or the Presbyterian church? Do you mean the church as in all the people of God, that you wouldn't have nothing to do with any of the people of God? Do you mean it's just, you know, a little group of people of God, or you don't have anything to do with Christianity? I mean, what do you mean by the church? Uh, because biblically, the church is simply a gathering of, of people who are focused on God, are focused on each other. I mean, what do you mean by the church? Uh, dig deeper. What is actually the issue? And for a lot of people, it's not the, the church or it's, you know, what one pastor did or didn't do or said or shouldn't have said. Or it's what one person in the church or a couple of them or they went to one frustrating church and because they ha have been involved in a little bit of mess, all of a sudden they, 
they take on a prejudice that all churches, the church is awful and horrible and it's just we should never be a part of the church because I met just a couple of people. Uh, the pre prejudice uh, definition is an adverse judgment or opinion formed beforehand or without knowledge or examination of the facts or it's a pre preconceived preference or idea. It's like... Uh, my, uh, this morning I was driving here and I was following somebody who's driving really slow and they're from Alberta. And so I can say, you know, all Albertans drive slow. They're all, they all drive slow. Because I met one who did this morning, right? That, that's a prejudice, right? Or, you know, all black people give away tons of money and are really rich because you're one black neighbor who had lots of money and gave it away. Or all white people are really mean because the one white person you met was really mean. And, and people do that with Christianity. They meet one wingnut Christian, and they're like, oh, Christians are hypocrites. Or they go to one church, which is completely messy, and they're like, the church. I don't want anything to do with the church. Well, uh, there are Christians who call themselves Christians that are not Christians. There are churches that are supposed to be churches but, but are not churches. There are Christians who do things that are not Christian, and we all do that. That again, that, that this, wait, what's your real issue? If you have an issue with the church, dig down and find out what it is. And, and likely, it's just... You know, a few people or one little group or one situation that happened and, and you're being prejudiced to all the people of God. So, one thing. Second thing is we need to love the church as Jesus loves the church. And there's a lot of negative talk about the church. And, of course, it's defined in lots of different ways. And, but the Bible says the church is actually the, the body of Christ and it's talked about being the bride of Christ. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12 says, Now you, that, that's all of us who love Jesus, are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And so, I mean, first of all, if, you, if you're dissing the church, you're, you're kind of dissing yourself because you're a part of it. I mean, I don't think any of us would go around just punching ourselves in the face or stabbing ourselves in the gut. I mean, well, that's what people do. The church is, you know, the church. But you're like, you are a part of the church or the bride. I will show you the bride, the wife of the lamb. And that's Jesus, and he, he looks at his church as his bride. And Christ loves the body. He loves the bride. Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So this picture of the church being the body of Christ. Now, it's funny that some people are like, you know, Jesus, I love you. You are amazing. I thank you for forgiveness and grace and, and all that you give me. But, but I don't like your church. You know, your church. I don't have anything to do with your church, but I love you. Now, just imagine... The day Marie and I got married, it's actually 19, 19, it's going to be 19 years in a few weeks here. Uh, when we were uh, like on the altar, that if Marie said, you know, Jesse, I really love you, but I hate your body. I don't want anything to do with your body, and it's got issues, it's got problems, but I love you. I mean, I don't know why someone wouldn't want this body, but I'm <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> but, I mean, I mean, to, to love the person, you got to get to love all of it, right? I mean, you can't just say, I just, I love you, but I hate your body. I mean, uh... You, can, you just can't do that. Or picture Jesus up here with his bride. And, and he's given everything to his bride. The whole, the whole Bible is a, a story about Jesus loving his church. And, and you sit there and you just start dissing the bride. Ah, Jesus, I love you, but your bride is a miserable. I don't want anything to do with your bride. I don't want to ever be around you. If you're around your bride, it's like, Jesus really loves the church. Jesus really loves his bride. And sometimes we need to watch the, the way we talk 
uh, about about the church. And, and I found that because I got issues with the church. It's like you got issues with the church. And, and I could write a list of 100 things I have an issue with here. And you could probably too. That's just the nature uh, uh, of the group. Uh, some people are like this. Man, if we could just get back to the early church. Because just the church today is really messy and awful and institutional and horrible and whatever. you know. But the early church, they had everything together. Really? Uh, have you read your Bible? <laughs> just remember a couple weeks ago we talked about this passage. Paul said, in the following directives, I have no praise for you, for your meetings do more harm than good. I mean, you read the f- book of 1 Corinthians. Now that was a messy church. Incredibly messy. You read Jesus speaking to the, the seven churches in Revelation. And a lot of those churches had a lot of issues. Peter, one of the church leaders, wasn't eating with Gentiles anymore. It was messy. The church has always been messy. This ideal that somehow the early church had it all together. If we could just be like the early church, we'd have it all together. Uh, The early church was messy too. But you know what? Jesus and the leaders still love the church. The messiest church in the Bible is 1 Corinthians. And look what Paul says. I always thank my God for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. He wasn't like, I'm done with you. I'm leaving. The church is horrible. He's like, you guys are lunatics, and you're messy, but I love you, and I thank God for you. Or Jesus, it says that he walks among the seven golden lampstands. Those are the, those are the seven churches. that He was still in the midst and loving these churches, even though they were incredibly messy. Jesus loves the church, and if we want to follow Jesus, we need to have the same heart as Jesus does, and that is love the church. Jesus got mad at some of the mess, and we get mad at some of the mess, and we should. Uh, but we, we love the people of God. We, we love the church. Uh, third, to follow Jesus is to be interconnected with other Christians. This is hard for us to understand because we as a Western society are, are very individualistic. Uh, a lot of other cultures aren't. The biblical culture especially was not. But we filter everything almost through me, myself, and I. How is it going to affect me? Uh, what's this going to do for me? This is my time. This is my money. This is my energy. We filter everything through me, myself, and I. But that's not the kind of culture Jesus is trying to build. And it's not the culture you can be as a Christian. That we always need to be challenging ourselves to be interconnected with other people. And here's the amazing passage that talks about in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Uh, Just as a body, the one has many parts... But all of its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we are all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. We are all given this one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not, uh, for that reason, stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not, uh, for that reason, stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And we see a lot of that going on in the world today. I don't need the church. I don't need that group. I don't need those people. I just want to be in my little group of people who think just like me. 
No, we, we need all, all believers. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable, we tr- uh, are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it. So that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. That that we are to be interconnected. That this idea of being kind of an isolated Christian where I just do my own Christian thing on my own and and I never get together with other believers to to worship, to love, to serve, to learn, that's not Christianity. Uh, I mean, people in the New Testament would just laugh and say, what in the world are are, are you doing? Ed Stetzer, who's a famous uh, missiologist, put it this way. Uh, The church is not about you. You and I are not customers, but rather we are co-laborers in Christ. You are a disciple following a Savior who established a church and placed you in it with other people who also need your presence and partnership. Certainly someone can be a Christian and not go to church. I mean, it's not something that that saves you. Yet the bigger question is whether someone can be fully obedient Christian and not be involved in the local church. And that's hard if we see the teachings of the Scripture as their guide to life in practice. All right, number four. And this, this is a big one here. You just got to learn to accept the mess. Got to learn to accept the mess. And a lot of people have no tolerance for mess. And as soon as it gets messy, they just leave. And it's like, I think we should have a little deeper commitment to each other than that. Uh, covenant love. We, we covenant we're a family. But here's how you got to think about it. Some of you are married. You have a husband and a wife. Now, you have two people. Now, marriage is perfect. Now, marriage is struggle. There's mess in marriages, if you, if you don't realize that. There's struggles, there's conflict. Sometimes people don't agree, and sometimes it gets really messy. And that's just two people. There's no perfect marriage, and that's only two people. Now, let's think of a bigger family. Let's throw in a couple kids or a teenager in there, right? And all of a sudden, things get really messy, right? And, uh, and it's a struggle, and, 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 and that's, that's just four, five, six people, three people. Do you realize that there's about 150 people that call the Junction Church their home? This is a family because we're, we're all children of God and, and he is our dad and we come together. It's like, do you actually expect to come here and never experience mess? I mean, it's just ridiculous that some people say, well, this person ticked me off and I don't know if I'm coming back because the church is messy. And like, uh, yeah, it's messy because I'm here and it's messy because you're here. It's messy because we're, we're all uh, sinners. And so the Bible says that if, if we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. And people have this fairy tale ideal that the, the church should be perfect and everybody should just love each other incredibly. There should be never any sin or never any issues. They're like, okay, that's coming one day, but we're not there yet. You just need to learn to accept the mess of the church. Uh, but this brings up a big question. If I accept the mess, does that mean I should never leave a church even if the mess is really bad? Because some churches get really messy and they get ugly. And the things that go on are like demonic and horrible and, and, and awful. And do, do, I, do I just accept the mess and say, well, I'm just going to stay here because I'm part of the church? And uh, Well, you never leave a church lightly. 
the first thing you need to do is, is ask God, God, what do you want for me? Do you want me to stay? Do you want me to go? The next thing you need to think of is, is there any way that you can be a part of the change? I mean, is the church ruled by some elite class of leaders who never let anybody else into leadership, who are never open to ideas or opinions, and there's just no way that you could ever get involved, and there's no way you could ever bring change? If, if you can never change anything because you're not allowed to, then there's a greater reason that you might need to leave. But if there's a way, you can become a member, become a volunteer, you can get involved in leadership to help bring about the change that you want to see, then, then maybe you should stay. But the worst thing you can do is to sit there and keep attending a church where you just have horrible things to say about it. And you're just criticizing it, and, and you're not giving any money, you're not serving, you're not doing anything, you're just sitting there folding your hands, looking for more things to complain about. That doesn't help you or the church. And you need to either get over it, or you need to, to, to maybe go find another church where you can actually be a living part of the family. And, uh, and, and either you're a part of the change, you're part of trying to help the church love one another and love neighbors, or you're fighting against it. So, yeah, there is a time when you leave a church, when it gets too messy and you can't bring about change. But it should never be done, done lightly. And maybe I will uh, uh, step on this because I think this is important. That we need to use the mess to help us grow in our love and, and maturity. Because what usually happens is this. Uh, people are like, Church is messy, I don't want anything to do with church, so I'm going to do uh, church on my own. And, uh, and it could be really fun. I mean, it sounds kind of fun to kind of, well, I can just uh, listen to the worship songs I, long, uh, I like through my little MP3 player. And if I don't like that song, I'll just forward it to the one I really like. And then I got a computer with all kinds of great speakers from all over the world, and I'll listen to this sermon. And, and if I don't like it, I get bored, I'll just put on another sermon. I can listen to the sermon I like. And I don't have to give any money because uh, I don't go to church and I can just buy myself a bigger TV or a bigger house and get involved in more consumerism and I don't have to serve. I got more time. It just, this sounds really, I don't even have to get in my car. Save some gas. I don't have to go to church. I mean, this is, this is wonderful. Or, you know, the church is messy, so I'm just going to get a bunch of like-minded people, you know, five, six, seven, and I'm just going to do a little house church with people who think just like me. But the whole issue is that it's not only selfish, but it doesn't help you grow in your love and maturity. It is easy to love people who think like you. It is easy to love people who are just like you, but we're to grow beyond that. Uh, like Jesus said, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you go do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. I mean, anybody can have a group of people who think just like them and they'll have the little group and say, woohoo, we're doing the, the Jesus thing. I think one of the reasons he gets us together and we tick each other off and rub us the wrong way is so that we can learn to mature in our love. I mean, you're never going to grow in your ability to love people until it's stretched, until someone pushes you and they're like, do I really believe in this forgiveness thing? Do, do I actually really believe in, in loving people who are radically different than me? Let the mess grow you. Uh, don't let the mess isolate you. Satan loves to isolate people so he can assassinate people. I mean, you were not meant to live life on your own. You were not meant to live your life outside of the body of believers. Not saying you have to come here on Sunday mornings every week. I mean, but you got to be a part of a group of other believers where you gather for worship and, 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 and building up of, of each other. Like Hebrews says, let us consider how we may spur. And that's not a nice word if you know what a spur is, right? 
Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. I mean, even back then in the early church, there were people who were like, oh, the church, I don't want to be a part of the church. And he's like, nope, come on, let's spur each other because we're going to help each other love people. and We want to keep growing to become more like Jesus. All right, we're almost done. Number five. Uh, Sunday morning is not the full expression of the church. A lot of people who have issues with, with the church, however you define that, uh, have an issue because they think it all should happen on Sunday morning. Uh, I don't feel like my needs are being met. Uh, I don't feel cared for. I don't, I don't feel loved or, or whatever it might be. And, and those are legitimate things. I mean, we should, we should, those are good things. But this isn't the full expression of the church. This is a little part of it. We, we gather here so we can worship God together. We pray sometimes we hear a little report we hopefully i challenge you and build you up uh, but maybe not always but we gather together but then as the church we go some of us meet in, in small groups during the week a smaller gatherings where you can actually become deeper friends with somebody and learn about their life and they learn about you and we have different missions and projects going on i mean this is only a small aspect of what goes on in the church if all your church is is like sunday morning that's my church you're always going to feel empty because this isn't the full expression of this. It's part of it, but it's not the full expression of the church. And last, uh, we need to mature beyond consumerism. And that is the act of acquiring goods or services for personal use. And we're great at this, and I'm a pro because I'm a Westerner. Uh, this is how we live. I mean, we love buying things, and we look at the new gadgets, and we love, like, going to restaurants where we feel we're served well and if we go to a restaurant where the waiter or waitress is not serving us well we're like i'm out of here because we just we're driven by consumerism that it's all about me and myself and i because we're this independent culture and now we've got to deal with that it just adds to the mess of the church but we need to kind of mature beyond consumerism especially when we come here that it's so easy to come here and I do this too. I mean, it's like, man, I hope they play the songs I like. And uh, I hope, you know, they sing that, that song. Because I love that song. And, you know, uh, whatever. I hope you don't fall asleep. And, you know, that's kind of all about us, right? I, I want it to be good for me. Jesus said it this way. In humility, value others above yourself. And not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant. And this is what it means to follow Jesus. That we walk humbly and with love, but we also strive to take on the nature of a servant. That it's not like, how can you love me, but how can I bless you? Uh, it's not like, I hope they do what I want, but I hope they, they, this service really honors that person and really builds those people up to begin thinking beyond consumerism. And I'll finish with a quote, because we need to be done. Uh, Darren uh, Schock said this. Here's the truth. The church isn't perfect. It's never been perfect. It will never be perfect. So imperfections within the church simply aren't a good excuse for anyone to leave. But we leave with our own complaints as if we aren't part of the problem. We're a tad bit spoiled. We tend to want everything handed to us. We want change, but it seems many of us don't want the work that comes with implementing change. 
So we bounce around, hopefully, hope, hoping to eventually land in some magical realm where the Pew Fairy has already done all the work to make church exactly what we think it should be. I hate to pop your balloon, but the Pew Fairy doesn't exist. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. If you want to bring about change in the church, you can't do it from the outside looking in. Those who are walking away uh, aren't helping fixing anything. I'd like to see a few of us suck it up, stop whining about everything that's wrong, and begin working to implement the change we're calling for. We're so quick to walk, but when will we get plugged in and become leaders and active volunteers? Instead of leaving, why don't we actually become a part of it so we can help make it better? And that's what we want to see. I mean, we want to make this the best church we can make it. We want to be a church that is just absolutely in love with Jesus and just radically loving each other and, and seeing lots of lives transformed for Jesus. But you know, our leaders can't do that on its own. And, and we're so thankful for all of you who are a part of things or maybe you don't actually serve here, but you're serving like somewhere else out there. Or you, you're just someone who's praying for the church or I mean, you don't always have to be an active service doing things here, but you're just actively involved in the church that Jesus loves and died for and, and wants to see do amazing things. So uh, let's keep pushing this year. Let's keep growing in Jesus. Let's keep loving each other. And we're going to see some good things. So accept the mess. Uh, feel free to confront people. If someone ticks you off, say, hey, that really bugged me, and talk it through. Uh, but work through those things. It's just going to help us grow in our love together. All right, let's stand. Let's close in prayer. If you need uh, prayer for any reason at all, if you uh, need healing in your body, you need uh, uh, financial help, you just want God to touch you and bless you in a, in a, in a way, then uh, there'll be people available to pray up here. Um, Marie's going to be up here, and Deanna's good to pray, and there's Crystal back there. Come up here and pray as well. Awesome, and they'll be up and be happy to pray uh, with you. Let's pray together. God, we thank you that you love us uh, more than we could ever imagine. God, that if we were just able to get a glimpse of your love, we would, we would all fall down in worship in honor of you. God, we thank you that you lavish forgiveness on us, that you lavish grace. God, that you're the lifter of our heads. God, that you are help in times of trouble. God, that you are a rock in our shield. And I pray, God, that you would help us to just, uh, just live for you in every moment of our life. Not just Sunday morning, but every moment. God, we'd just be thinking of you, talking to you, uh, honoring you. And God, we'd pray that you'd help us to take that love. And God, you'd help us to really love one another as you love people. Uh, God, that you would help us to love those that are hard to love, forgive those who are difficult to live. God, to get over our bitterness and, and begin loving at a higher level, the kind of love, God, that you want to see in our hearts. God, we need help with that. And God, so I just pray blessing on each person here. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Thanks. Thanks for hanging in today. We'll see you next week.